0: I think you've already guessed that we're looking at the Holy Spirit today, so I won't bother telling you all about that. But I was just reminded this morning of a, a quote um, by one of my favourites. I know John will, be, his will perk over this, from Augustine of Hippo, um, which says this, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find its rest in you. I wonder whether you're restless this morning. I wonder whether, as we come and look at what the Holy Spirit does, whether you're feeling a deep longing... For more of God in your hearts. Can I just pray for us as we open God's word. That that is actually a kind of holy restlessness. And that we pursue God at ever deeper levels. Let me pray for us as we unpack God's word today. Yeah, Lord you have made us for yourself. We are not complete until we find that deeper relationship with you. That resting place in you. And Lord, the psalmists just cry out time and again to find rest in God. And so we pray that as we come and examine what the Holy Spirit does, who the Holy Spirit is, Lord, would you just empower us to, to find more of you in our lives, more of you in our church, more of you in our surrounding areas. So Holy Spirit, come we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well I've been asked one of the deepest questions imaginable this week. I've been asked it many times in many different places and even on the door coming in this morning and the question was this, did you find the lost prawn? (laughs) If you were here last week you will know what I'm talking about, if not you'll have to watch last week's service and the answer is I think I have but without detailed scientific analysis I can't be sure, do you want to see it? This may be the prawn that was lost and has now been found. (laughs) Now, my tenuous example last week was that actually we are like the prawn that fell out of the sandwich into the depths of the car. (laughs) And actually what happens is without God in our lives, without the saving power of Jesus, what happens is we become rotten to the core. We become less of who God made us to be. We can't get back to God. But when we say yes to Jesus... Something incredible happens. I'll get rid of that. It's a little bit distracting. Because Jesus saves us. Jesus rescues us. Jesus pours His Spirit into us and we are given new life. But that is not just that Jesus comes and says, Well, here's a pass into eternity. He does do that, absolutely. We get to be with Him forever. But He comes to bring life here and now. His Spirit has been poured into our hearts. When Jesus lived on the earth, he was confined like we are to a, to a human body, to time and space. But now the Spirit has been poured out as Jesus ascends into heaven. Look at this from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, that tells us something really important, doesn't it? When Jesus ascends into heaven, it doesn't mean he has finished with the church. He hasn't finished with us yet. Do you believe that this morning? God hasn't finished with us. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. We are going to be empowered and equipped if we seek the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, the Holy Spirit was, was active in the Old Testament The Holy Spirit falls on particular people for different purposes and is active in different situations. But the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, following the day of Pentecost, is poured out on all flesh. And so we live in the age of the Spirit, where the Spirit is freely available to all those who call on the name of Jesus. As Chris has already um, showed us this morning, with that that incredible bit of um, magic, that was was wonderful. Um, He has showed us that Jesus... God the Father and the Spirit are all God. They are all of the same substance. They are three persons but one God. We see this in Matthew 28 verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, that is really important that we we know that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not like the force in Star Wars. It is not some vague spirit that just drifts around. But the Holy Spirit is God himself. Over recent weeks, we've seen what the Nicene Creed says about the different persons who are God. And look at this from the Nicene Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who was spoken through the prophets. That was first agreed by the Church in 325, and that little bit about being proceeding from the Son was added in five eight nine, where the church, reading the New Testament, realized that actually Jesus breathes the Spirit as well as the Father. So we say that the, the Spirit comes from both the Father and the Son. So what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the outpoured spirit do? Well, here's a ten week sermon series for us or something similar. Of all the things we could say about the Holy Spirit. I don't know whether I can count there. It might be less than 10, but anyway. So the Holy Spirit was present in the beginning. You look at the start of Genesis. It's the Holy Spirit that is brooding over the chaos that is before creation. The Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit seals us until Jesus returns. The Holy Spirit is God coming inside of us, living in us, and sealing us. You know how those wax seals used to be used on old letters to say where they were from? what they belong to. That's what the Spirit does. We belong to Jesus until we are with him. John 16 verse 13. The Spirit leads us into truth. He leads us into God's ways. 16 verse 18. He convicts us of sin. It is the Spirit's job to help us to grow in holiness. The Spirit always glorifies the Son. The Spirit points us to Jesus. The Spirit gives us gifts. 1 Corinthians it should say that. Chapter 12, and we'll be looking at the gifts of the Spirit in a bit more detail as ways that God speaks to us in a few weeks' time. So we're not particularly focusing on that today. The Holy Spirit calls us to be filled with himself. Be continuously filled with the Spirit, it says in Ephesians 5, verse 18. And the Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Holy Spirit comforts us um, when we are in times of need. You may probably be thinking, there's a load more passages we could add to that. And absolutely, there is so much more we could say about the Holy Spirit. But for today, I want to focus on three things. During this series, we've been looking at the three persons of the Trinity, so I thought we will focus on three things in each one. And the first thing is this, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And that's for today. That is for today. Second thing is the Holy Spirit transforms. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit empowers So the Holy Spirit is poured out. Look at this verse from Isaiah 44. God said to Israel, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Promise in the Old Testament of all that is to come. And yet we live with the fulfillment of that promise. If you know the, the accounts in the book of Acts, The the people, the the disciples and the followers of Jesus, they are gathered on the day of Pentecost. And there is a sound like a violent wind. There are tongues of fire that appear on people's heads. There is all this noise, there's this commotion as the spirit breaks into human experience. And then the people start speaking in different tongues, languages they've not learned. And a crowd gathers. And Peter, um, this disciple of Jesus, he starts to preach and explain what is going on. what he does is he goes back into the Old Testament And he opens the prophet Joel and he says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Now we live in the age where this should still be taking place. This has not gone away. We live in the age where God longs to speak to us. Don't worry too much about whether you're young or old there but I think you sort of get the point. You know, it's visions, it's dreams, it's images of what God wants to do and what God is doing in our lives. And everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. That's the age that we live in. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by God's Spirit can say, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. I think it's really important before we move on just to make that really really clear you know if you have come to Jesus and you have been saved by him the Holy Spirit is coming to your heart no, no ifs no buts the, the Bible is very clear on that but I think what we can do is we can receive the Holy Spirit at conversion and then largely ignore his ministry and we can forget that actually we're called to be infilled and we can actually grieve the Spirit we can quench the Spirit and we can go lives our own way let's not be those type of people But let's be those who are open to all that the Spirit would do in us. Now, I was leading um, one of the small groups this week, and we we were looking at the authority of Jesus and the authority of Scripture in the life of the church. And it was, well, I think it was a really helpful, good discussion, actually. We had a really great time together. Um, But we were talking at one point about the history of the authority of of Scripture and of Jesus in in the life of the church. And there was a movement in the 18th century where some very academic people started reading the Bible and started to say, well, we're now clever, rational human beings. So whenever Jesus performs a miracle, we have to say, well, we've never seen these miracles, so therefore they don't happen. So they went through the Bible, basically chopping out all the miracles and saying, well, we've not seen this, so Jesus didn't do it. Jesus didn't rise from the dead because we've never seen that happen. And so they ended up what's called demythology, demythology, I can't even say the word. Getting rid of all the miracles. Let's stick with that for now. I might be able to say it in a minute. And basically, it was an attempt to reclaim a historical version of Jesus. A Jesus that's normal. A Jesus that fits into human expectations. But you know that's no Jesus, is it? That's not the Jesus of Scripture. That's not the Jesus who saves us. But you know what? I think there is a danger for us that sometimes we try and demythologise. I've got there this time. Demythologize the Holy Spirit that we look at what goes on in the life of the early church. We see the miracles in the book of Acts. We see the outpoured spirit causing people to speak in tongues, causing healings, and all this miraculous stuff breaking out. We see life transformed. But then we say, but we know more than they do. We're now rational. We're now sensible. We like decency and order. And so what we can end up doing is saying, well, that was great for then, but it's not for now. But you know, if we do either of those two things, you know what we're actually doing? We're actually not taking God's word seriously. We're not saying that what happens in God's word is what we should expect. Do you have an expectancy of the things of the Holy Spirit today? Are we prepared to be a church that perhaps isn't as tidy as we are if that means that the Holy Spirit has more free reign? Are we a church that actually longs to hear from God and longs to live in the fullness of all that God would not do, that God would do, sorry, in our lives? So the Spirit has been poured out. I believe that the full ministry of the Holy Spirit that we see in the New Testament is available to us. Some of that is miraculous. Others of it is is very internal sort of things. You see how the Spirit leads us into truth, convicts us of sin. A lot of that is what the Spirit does in my own heart and life. So as we look at the book of Acts, why are we not like the church in the book of Acts? Why are we not like that? Well, I just want to suggest two things. One is are we really passionately seeking God? Are we really on our knees before God? Now, I'm not saying this as somebody who has got this sorted. Um, I mentioned last week that there were a number of us went to the Fresh Dreams conference, and one of the speakers was a chap called Steve Upple. I don't know if you've come across him, a church leader from down in the Midlands. And he was saying he prays for two hours every day. And he finds if he doesn't pray for two hours every day, he doesn't know what God really has for him and has for the church. And you know that really pulled me up short? I did not pray for anything like two hours every day. This is confession time here. You know, that is not where I'm up to. Are you up to that place? Are we up to that place as a church? Now, we've already heard this week that it's going to be a week of prayer. Now, this is not a second notice, don't worry. But this is a plea. Please, please, let's get on our knees and pray this week. There are many opportunities for prayer, um, Chris. I think there are 16, not 18. Sorry to pick up on your maths again, but. <laughs> Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, I oh, will let, we'll let, we'll let you on. But there are many opportunities to pray this week. Now, nobody is expecting that we can all go to all of them. That that is not the reason for doing a week of prayer. But let's put in our diary those times when we can come and gather, and come and pray, and come and seek God. You know, the psalmist says, "As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs." After you, do we long after God? Do we long to see God move in our church and in our lives? If actually um, coming to a physical meeting in church isn't possible, we've already said you know you can pray at home. But also this week is also the Churches Together Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. Number eighteen. Number 18? Jesus, oh yeah, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's adding them in now. He's adding them in now. <laughs> So at 7 o'clock every night up until Wednesday next week, you can find all this info in the weekly news. There are Zoom prayer meetings. So if you can't join in um, coming into church, join in on Zoom, join in at home. Um, I joined in, was it, one day last week. And just great to pray with other Christians from across the different churches. If you've got a good memory and were part of our church last um, January, you may remember we had a chap come to speak to us called Ian Christenston. And he said something that has always struck with me. He says, "Little little prayer little power. Some prayer, some power, lots of prayer. Well, you get the idea, lots of power. If we're not on our knees seeking after the things of God, then don't be surprised if we don't see a lot of God moving in our midst. So let's be a people who are seeking the poured out spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is about living without fear. We like to control as human beings, don't we? We we like to control the narrative of our own lives. And when the spirit moves in our hearts and lives, it disrupts our elements of control. Now, sometimes we can like to control sin, actually. We perhaps have things that we, we know are wrong, but we actually probably quite enjoy doing them, or there are bad attitudes that we don't really like, but actually they feed the wrong parts of our personalities, and this kind of shadow personality that we might have, and when the Holy Spirit convicts us and when we have to let go, it disrupts our sense of control. It also disrupts our sense of control if God speaks to us, doesn't it? Because he may say something different to what we are doing or what we thought we might be doing. And, you know, if God speaks to us directly in, in a service or at the, during the week of prayer, it may change the direction that as a church we head. And we may have to put things to one side. Now, just to say on that point, you know, I was... Um, helping lead a vision day for People's Church Partington yesterday because Jonathan and Caroline have now moved up to um, Scotland and so they're searching um, for a new minister. And it was just really interesting during that day. They are a church who are very, if you like, normalised to God speaking to them. And during that time, I was leading the session and a number of people came up and said, do you mind if I just share what God has laid on my heart? You know, we need to get better at that, don't we? You know, if you feel that during a service God has spoken to you, You know, come and tap the service leader, one of the leadership team on the shoulder, and say, do you mind if I just share? This is what I sense. Let's do it with discernment and decently and in order. But let's be open to what God may say in the here and now. Decently and in order, in line with scripture, absolutely. But let's press into what the Holy Spirit has for us. Second thing just to talk about is the Holy Spirit transforms. Charles Wesley in the hymn Love Divine talks about being changed from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place that is what the holy spirit comes to do as well he comes to transform us and change us two years in april since we moved into our house in fellwall and to be honest when we bought the house it was a bit of a wreck we we knew there were lots of things needed doing to it And over the past sort of 18 months or so, we're starting to work our way through some of those things that need doing. We've discovered other things along the way. And um, you know what it's like with a house. There's always something to do, isn't there? Anyone live in a house that's perfect and doesn't need any work doing on it? No. Because it's an ongoing process, isn't it? The minute you finish one room, another room then needs doing, and so on and so forth. You know, we're a bit like that, aren't we, as human beings? We are never going to be finished this side of eternity. But we can be being transformed. We can be being changed from glory into glory. There there was some t-shirts that were made a while ago that said on them, be patient with me, God hasn't finished yet. That sense that God is still working by his spirit. You know, as we read scripture and the Holy Spirit leads us into truth, we will be convicted and we will change. We will change, but we have to be open. These are well-known verses from Galatians 5. If you've been a Christian for a while, you probably know them. You probably also know a variety of rather silly songs that have been written to out. Try and remember them. I won't burst into song at this point. But it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now a tree grows on a fruit. uh, um, Fruit grows on a tree. We'll get this the right way around. Fruit grows on a tree, and as long as it stays attached to the tree and is growing, it it continues to develop and become better. But the problem is, if you remove fruit from the tree, what happens to it? It Well, it gets eaten, or it goes bad. (laughs) It goes bad, it goes off, doesn't it? You know, if you leave fruit in the fruit bowl for too long, away from the source of life, then it slowly decays and, and eventually becomes inedible and unuseful. And, you know, that's what can happen to us, actually. While we remain plugged in and praying for the Spirit's equipping and empowering and transforming power, we will continue to bear fruit. We don't do it on our own. It's not in our own strength. But if we stop those kind of prayers, if we remove ourselves from the source of light and life, you know, actually we can go into reverse as Christians. And we can actually stop showing those fruits that perhaps we one day were doing. How's your fruit in the fruits of the spirit in your life at the moment are you growing in the fruits of the spirit are you praying that God will grow those fruit in your life are you delving into God's word so that actually you know what it means to live in all of these kind of things are you spending time with other Christians so that actually you can feed off each other and help nurture each other the Holy Spirit longs to transform us longs to change us longs to do a work within our lives But we have to be open to that. We have to be on our knees seeking that. The third thing is the spirit empowers. A few years ago, um, I got a hire car. And the reason I got a hire car, because our last car that we owned um, seemed to think that breaking down was a kind of hobby that cars should do. And it was regularly breaking down and regularly in and out of the garage. And this particular time, it had to go into the garage for quite a while. And so uh, I got this hire car. And I have to be honest, it was the most miserable car I've ever driven. I won't tell you what type of car it is, just in case you happen to own one and it's your pride and joy. But to say it was was the most miserable car I'd ever driven, um, it was in some pretty decent competition. Because when I first started to drive, I drove a Fiat Uno. Do you remember those? Hyundai Pony. Anyone remember those? Yeah? And a Renault 5. So these were the first cars that I'd ever driven. It was worse than any of these. So you got in this miserable car. There was not even a radio. There was nothing to listen to music on. So you had to take your phone in to listen to music, but you couldn't hear your phone over the wind noise and the noise of the engine. So you had to take a Bluetooth speaker if you wanted any noise. But that was just an, that was just an inconvenience. The real problem is, when you put your foot down to accelerate, almost nothing happened. So you'd be driving along and you'd probably eventually get to 30 or 40. But I had to take this car on the motorway. And I remember putting my foot down thinking, please, please go a bit quicker. And you're there thinking, this car is just it's just miserable, just miserable. And it was so miserable, I actually felt it was dangerous. But sometimes I think church life can be a bit like that. Our own Christian lives can be a bit like that. We are designed as church to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> We are not designed to sort of tinker around without power. That is not what we're designed for. And when we don't have the power of the Spirit at work in the life of the church, actually church just becomes a very disappointing exercise. Because we just keep gathering and meeting over and over and over again without our lives being transformed, without people being saved, and we're just thinking, well, what are we actually doing? You know, we are never designed as church to just come and sing songs together to come and hear a comforting talk, to have a nice cup of coffee and then go home. That is not what we're designed for. We're designed to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ into a world that is broken and a world that needs Jesus. Look at this from Acts 1 verse 8. You will receive power, this word power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are given power, power to be sent, power to be transformed, power, yes, if we believe the Bible to be true, to see healings and signs and wonders and miracles in our day and in our time. The power of the Spirit is to equip transforming people to share a life-changing gospel. You know, you read the book of Acts, it's not a nice, neat, neat and tidy journey that the church goes on. Sometimes it can actually be really messy. Sometimes it causes problems in towns and villages when the gospel is preached. Sometimes it causes the church to say, well, what is going on here? What do we do? All these Gentiles are becoming Christians. How do we deal with this? It's not just that nice, nice, um, sort of nice neat and tidy journey. But it's a journey where people are finding faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a journey of transformation. It's a journey of empowerment. Are we seeking the Holy Spirit, to empower us? Do we long for people to come to know Jesus? We can't do that on our own. We have no power to convict people. Only the Spirit can do that. Only the Spirit that has been poured out. I was looking this week, I think, following on from the text that that Nick had put down the prayer chain about the Open Doors um, list that has been published this week, and just looking and saying, well, where is the church growing the fastest at the moment? Where is the church growing the fastest? I found this. This is from the government website, gov.co.uk, um, just so that you know that it's a fully verified um, sort of statistics. It's about the church in Iran. More Iranians have become Christians in the last 20 years than in the previous 13 centuries put together. Just think about that for a moment. In 1979, there were an estimated 500 Christians in Iran. Today, there are hundreds of thousands. Some say more than a million. That is incredible, isn't it? Absolutely Incredible. And I think something is that when the church is oppressed and persecuted, what it does is it drives us to our knees. Because we either seek the power of the Spirit to keep going, or actually the church falls apart. And in history, sometimes the church has fallen apart and sort of diminished. But what we see here is the church on its knees is a church that grows, that is equipped, that is empowered. Now, I look at the stats for the church in the UK, and I've mentioned these before, it does not make encouraging reading. It really doesn't. But I don't believe that is God's last word for us. I believe that actually God longs to do this kind of thing in the UK as well. But he will not do it to a church that is just tinkering with our programs and just making a few alterations here. It will only be done as the Spirit is poured out on the church. It will only be done as the fires of revival start in our own hearts and then start to burn around our nation. You know when we look at the revivals of the past, whether it's in the book of Acts, whether it's the Welsh revival, the Hebridean revival, the Wesleyan revivals, it was a bit messy at times. But people were saved. People came to know Jesus. The lost became the found. The light of the world got to shine. Saying yes to the Holy Spirit is not saying yes to more of the same. But it's saying yes to God's plans, God's agenda, God's holiness, God's transformation and God's empowerment. I don't know whether you want to say that yes to God today. Do we want to say that kind of yes? If we do, thanks, Simon. <laughs> we want to say that kind of yes today to God. It means saying yes to all that we see in God's Word. So I just want to leave you with these three things. And then I just want us to spend just a bit of time in quiet. Um, It can be very easy when we're talking about the things of the Spirit. And sadly, I've been in a church where this has got over-manipulated and all kinds of wrong things have happened. Let's not be like that. This is between us and God. I don't want to hype this. But perhaps you just need today to say, come Holy Spirit. Come and do a fresh work in me. Perhaps you just want to put your arms out and ask the Lord to fill you again. So I'm just going to just mention these three things and then we'll pray. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit is poured out. We live in the age of the Spirit. Are we asking for the Holy Spirit that first fell at Pentecost to keep filling us and changing us and renewing us? Secondly, the Spirit transforms. He gives power for holiness, for us to become more like Jesus. He comes and lives in our hearts. Are we being transformed? Are we open to that kind of growth in our Christian lives? And thirdly, the Spirit empowers are we being empowered by god by god's holy spirit so that we can share jesus the light of the world with our nation with our towns with our villages let's just spend a few moments in quiet i'll just lead us in a prayer you may as i said want to reach your hands out to god and just ask that the holy spirit will come and fall afresh lord jesus we simply say spirit of the living god Fall afresh on me. The psalmist says, earnestly I seek you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And Lord, today perhaps we are parched Perhaps the spiritual well has run dry. Perhaps we are in that restless place. And Lord, we pray by your Spirit, would you fill us? Lord, it may be that today we just need that transforming power of your Spirit for holiness, for sanctification. We pray come Holy Spirit. Lord, it may be that actually we just need the power of your spirit so that we can be your witnesses in whatever our Jerusalem, Judea and towards the ends of the earth is. That we may be able to boldly proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So just a moment of silence, just for you to do business with God and to invite the spirit to move in your heart. We'll just stay in this attitude of prayer, just as the, the musicians, leaders, you may want to just stay sat down, just asking God to keep ministering to you by his spirit. Or if you want to stand, you want to join in with the, the songs, please feel free to do that as well. But let's just continue to ask the Lord to, to fill us, to equip us for all that he has for us. When Chris was asking for descriptions about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the two words, unspeakable tenderness. And I know many are afraid of the Holy Spirit, afraid of what he might do, afraid of what he might ask. But this is Jesus we're talking about. This is God the Father. This is Jesus the Son. And it's God the Holy Spirit unspeakable tenderness towards, towards you there is nothing to be afraid of thanks Nick Let's just take those words unspeakable tenderness that is the God who we worship